ever said, oh, the world will never be the same after this? How and how much the world and our lives have changed in the last two years? Join me after the intro for some reflections on what the global pandemic has represented as we prepare to have all restrictions lifted. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D, and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Trash Show. Exactly two years ago, on March 23rd, 2020, the UK Prime Minister announced the country's first lockdown to limit the spread of COVID. The strict order for everybody was to stay at home. It came less than two weeks after the World Health Organization declared COVID a global pandemic. Similar measures had been taken also a few days earlier by a handful of countries, Italy, for example, my country of birth, and by others in the following days. This came about two months after alarming news regarding a mystery virus infecting people in Wuhan the most populous city in central China, started to circulate and spread around the world. Early reports said that the virus didn't appear to be readily spread by humans. We learned very quickly that not only could the virus be passed by to humans, but also it could quickly travel around the world and so dead in every corner. Since then, our lives have changed. We had to adapt a number of times to the ever-changing situations and rules. Two years on, I want to reflect on how and how much our norm has shifted in what is a relatively short period of time. What have we learned these two past years? How are we re-emerging from that test? Now, despite my best intentions and efforts, I appreciate that this account is neither exhaustive nor representative of everyone's situation pre, during the peak of the pandemic, and post or as per today. This is how I experienced it, what I learned along the way, what kept me awake at night, and some considerations that I had to come to terms with and that I will very likely take forward for myself. My hope is that despite this, it could still help you, the listener. I must admit that the first shock for me at least was to see how quickly it could spread outside China and how deadly it was. Who hasn't told at least once during the first few days when uncertain news started to circulate 
back in uh, January 2020, or oh, poor Chinese people, and immediately after. We are so lucky. This is never going to reach us. We thought China was far enough for us to feel safe and protected. But say, we were not. We had to change our minds in a matter of days and weeks. The pandemic hit badly and very, very quickly. And the world was, we were unprepared to deal with it. The world, we, our lives, plummeted in chaos and confusion almost overnight. Now, the short and long-term impact of the pandemic on individuals, families, and communities is still very much under scrutiny and still being fully understood. But certainly it concerns with health, socio-economical, and behavioral changes. It goes without saying that the first and most upsetting consequence of the pandemic has been the huge number of lives that we have lost. Who doesn't know someone who unfortunately caught it before the vaccines were available and didn't make it? I was reading some stats as I prepared for this episode, and the numbers are shocking beyond any imagination. For instance, Italy, which was probably the first European country where the pandemic wave was felt loud and clear, registered nearly 157,000 losses due to COVID, with well over 13 million people infected. Now, if you like stats and numbers, these figures tell us that only, quote-unquote, about 1.2% of the Italians who caught COVID didn't make it. And yet, that 1.2% corresponds to 157,000 losses, which is higher than the 153,000 civilian losses Italy recorded during the World War II. It has been like a new world war, because no nation was immune from it. But for once, the enemy was not a fellow country, but a microscopic virus that didn't seem to have any intention of surrendering, becoming more insidious with time, mutating and changing its face each time we seemed to get any closer to learn about it. We needed to come together to defeat it, and together we came, probably for the very first time in history. In this global war, there were no sides to choose. We were all on the same one, united, with one objective in mind. We were all on our front doors, applauding doctors and nurses, and anybody else who was putting their life in jeopardy to serve us. It hasn't been easy. We had to learn to live with all sorts of restrictions, face masks, social distance, teleworking, homeschooling. There were no more parties or social events. No Friday night, down to the local pub or to the trendy club in the city center. Social visits to relatives and friends were prohibited. Airports and stations became desolated. The long queues that symbolized the start or end of a trip were no way to be seen. We learned that something so natural and vital to us, like breathing, which is what helps us tune in with life, was suddenly the very same thing where that tiny virus could hit us and make us sick. Breathing became scary. My breath could be dangerous to you as much as yours could be dangerous to me. That fear of possibly becoming positive to the virus kept us physically separated, divided, far apart, socially distant. 
We learned to cross the road if someone was walking towards us, to look down, or perhaps to stop and squeeze us on a side to allow them to pass and still have those couple of meters of safety between us. We learned to patiently keep outside shops or to change aisle once we made it inside if there were already two or three people there. We started questioning the need to go out and leave our houses. I know that I change a lot on this front. As a scientist living in a foreign country, I used to travel a lot for business and pleasure, and leaving my house, whether it was for a long trip or to spend some idle time browsing shops in the city center, was a sort of semi-automatic behavior. Today, I must admit, going out is very intentional, is a non-automatic behavior. I need to push myself to do it. I need to convince myself that I have to do it, almost to take my body outside. I don't like this. I've been working on myself to try and figure out the reason for this. Is this fear or perhaps just laziness and feeling too comfortable at all? Are you experiencing anything similar? Can you resonate with it at all? And if it's fear, fear what exactly? Mixing with others? Will it ever go away? Or should we resign to leave our houses with keys, wallet, mobile, and face mask, just in case. How can individually and collectively regain that sense of freedom and control with respect to these natural, vital, instinctive acts of breathing and mixing? That mask we have been wearing for the past two years has also been the screen and the symbol of that separation. One consequence of the forced social isolation has been an increase of mental health problems, especially in vulnerable groups. When I talk about lockdown, I always joked about my situation, saying that I start my personal isolation 10 months before the rest of the world, when in June 2019 I burned out at work, and from that day I lost touch with most of the people I used to spend both my social and working hours with. I didn't really appreciate the impact of that on my own mental health until very recently. A few weeks after the first lockdown was announced, I had a brief text message exchange with a colleague who was mentioning how difficult the last few weeks had been for her. I remember thinking, why are you complaining with me? I've been in this situation for the past 10 months and left alone. I'm ashamed to say that knowing I was no longer alone experiencing that sense of hopeless isolation made me feel as once again I belonged to the human species. Now, don't misunderstand me. I was never happy or glad for the global situation, far from it. But the fact that others were acknowledging the sense of loneliness I had been experiencing for months made me feel less alone, or perhaps more understood. I didn't have to explain too much how much I felt, because everyone could now relate to that. As the level of depression, anxiety, and loneliness were reported to increase, those of happiness and life satisfaction decreased. It was as we were all experiencing a collective trauma that might take us probably years to heal from. If so, what are the long-term consequences of that collective trauma and how can we collectively overcome it? As for me, I set an intention to be more gracious and accepting of my needs. 
to pay far more attention to my energy levels than I used to do pre-burnout and pre-COVID. I'm trying to treat my response to COVID with the same tools that I've been using to heal from the burnout. Is it excessive? I don't know. Perhaps it is. But taking care of myself has significantly moved up in my priority list, which is for once a very good news. One aspect that we have already discussed in an earlier episode is how the social restrictions that confine people to their homes for extended periods have likely increased the risk of domestic abuse and exploitation, particularly among girls and women. Even before the pandemic, one in three women worldwide experienced physical sexual violence, mostly by an intimate partner in their lifetime. But according to the UN Women, since the outbreak of COVID, data has shown that all types of violence against women and girls have intensified. COVID or not, we all have a role to play on this. By creating opportunities to change and reach a new normal in which violence against women is something relegated to a dreadful past. And we can do this in so many ways. First and foremost, by talking and raising awareness about domestic violence. Another aspect that needs to be evaluated is the long-term impact of COVID on people's health the so-called long COVID. The other day I was talking with a friend who is affected by long COVID and asked her what the physical and emotional symptoms of long COVID are. To my surprise, the first thing she acknowledged is the emotional impact. The need to be believed, some may not have that luxury, but you are the only one who knows exactly how you feel. Nobody else does. Another challenge she is dealing with is accepting this to be part of her life, not knowing where things will improve and get better. On a physical level, she had to learn to come to terms with extreme tiredness and fatigue, dizziness and shortness of breath, together with memory and concentration problems. While I was talking with her, it struck me how similar those physical and emotional symptoms are to those of burnout. Even though I don't have long COVID, I've been experiencing most of these physical and emotional symptoms as a consequence of my situation. The brain fog, the sense of fatigue and low energy, the difficulty of recognizing this new person living in my body and talking with my voice that has nothing to do with my former self. The uncertainty of not knowing if and when I will fully recover. It's all very upsetting. When I looked down at the piece of paper where I was annotating a few points, the above points, I thought, this is truly a bleak account. Is there anything positive that we will be able to remember in 10, 20 years from now that we gain from the pandemic? Well, the being united, fighting together irrespective of our upbringing, opportunities, education, personal abilities, dispositions, is the first thing that came to mind. We, globally and collectively, have resisted, mounted a strong response and have seen the potential wonders that cooperation and solidarity can bring to us against COVID or any other adversity or danger. In an unprecedented historical achievement, scientists and vaccine manufacturers created, produced and distributed several vaccines in less than a year. 
this was a record time. I strongly believe that it was the availability of those vaccines that helped us to slow down substantially the further spread of COVID. 15 months on since these vaccines started to become available, people in many countries in the world have had the opportunity to get three shots. Neuroagnostics treatment protocols were created. These two have contributed to significantly reduce the risk of severity and death among those infected. For the effort and commitment of so many professionals, we can only raise in a virtual standing ovation and say thank you. As for me, there are a number of things that I've learned from the past couple of years, from my burnout and COVID. The first, slow down and smell the roses. When I think of the world, or my world at least, pre-pandemic, life was flowing fast. No time to focus on ourselves, our families and friends, or simply take an idle moment to smell the roses, as they say. We were all far too busy, crashing it, projecting ourselves forward, anticipating the next big move and rushing towards a future that was just a moving target and as such could never be achieved. Others were living stuck in a moment of time that had passed and as such could not be changed. I know I spent most of my life living in the future till too much happened that made me stop and start living in the past. Either way, I spent most of my life avoiding living in and experiencing the only moment I had the luxury to have, my present, my now. And by living either in the past or in the future, I jeopardized my mental and physical health, something I'm working daily to fully recover from. I believe I'm not the only one who can relate with this. Many have perhaps realized that despite the challenges, Teleworking and homeschooling also offered the opportunity to spend more time physically or virtually with those we care about. Parents with children, children with grandparents, sisters with brothers. I'm sure we won't be able to revert this, nor that we should. Two, safety first. I used to travel the world a lot before I burned out and COVID. And perhaps in one or two situations, I haven't paid enough attention to some safety details when traveling to some countries. I'm certainly more aware that safety has to come first. Now, without stress, I think I will be paying more attention when planning my future trips on standards, protocols, and definitely cleanliness. Three, hope for the planet. There is perhaps a misperception that Nisha got a break from human activities during COVID as a byproduct of the forced isolation. Although we observed some reduction in CO2 emissions in the short term during the various lockdowns, long-term model predictions don't show significant reduction in the expanded trends of global temperature. For the planet, it was like for someone who, while drowning, managed to take a breath of air. That said, the acceleration towards a normalization of teleworking created by the restrictions during the pandemic might have shifted forever the requirements of many organizations toward it and towards in-person attendance. 
whether that will make a significant contribution towards reducing our personal carbon footprint and collectively to impact the trends in global temperature and in turn to slow down climate change has to be seen. Certainly, it can be an opportunity. Last but not least, four, life is change. It's not meant to stay still, but to evolve, change and modify. And with that, we need to adapt, pivot, be flexible, be creative in finding new solutions. And we need to be ready to let go the old ways. But change, evolution, growth and progress bring the possibility of failure, for missing the anticipated target. And yes, it may suck at first, but I've been reframing that idea of failure as feedback in my mind. And after all, if Thomas Edison was okay failing 10,000 times to invent the light bulb, certainly we can all accept a feedback or two. As we prepare to have all the restrictions completely lifted and news of new variants of COVID may spread, we probably all need to come to terms with the fact that COVID is going to stay and be part of our lives, but hopefully with a less deadly vest. As it has been for other virus in history, like meningitis, polio, or smallpox, each of them was highly deadly at some point in history, but are today controlled through vaccinations protocols. On a personal note, the fast response of the science and pharmaceutical industry in creating not one, but several variants of vaccines that all proved to be successful against COVID in all the three or four different variants we have experienced so far, is a big relief. Yes, scientists will need to adapt those vaccines to new mutations that may appear in the future. But we don't have to start from scratch. We have something that we can use immediately should the situation degrade again. I didn't touch on uh, all the different debates we had in the last two years, from the yes vax to the no vax, and how having to be vaccinated was felt as a limitation of personal freedom. This was intentional. I thought it was right and proper to remember how we came to live with this pandemic and some of the consequences it has brought to our lives. But most of all, I wanted to find some positives in what happened in the past two years and the lessons we had to learn in the spirit of life happening for us rather than to us. So I believe that going forward, we need to be more patient. Let time do its work. Don't stress too much over things that we cannot control. Stay cautiously vigilant, but also remember that life has ups and downs, whether we like it or not. And that when we are called to face a common problem, cooperation and solidarity are arrows in our quiver. We ought to remember to live in the moment, which is the only time we actually have the luxury to enjoy. And don't worry about the future or the past. If it's a bad day, then find something on your happy list to make it less crappy. And if it's a better day, then awesome. Take a moment to intentionally enjoy it. What have you learned from these two years of pandemic? What lesson do you take forward in your life? Let me know. 
Continue supporting us by listening, liking, sharing our episodes, and by following us on social media. All our links are in the description. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.